Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go away you fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Hello. And the return of U Street. Hey y'all. By the way, this is not an ad, but I just want to highlight that Pillsbury now sells cookie dough that you can either bake or just eat straight out of the carton because they desperately understand pandemics better than probably every other company in America. Wait, you, there's cookie dough we can just eat? Straight up, I mean, yeah. I, I, I do it anyway, but you know, usually I just risk death. Yeah, I mean, in, in today's times, and you're thinking maybe salmonella wouldn't be ideal. It turns out, I want to be clear, this is not an ad, though I would love if this was an ad because it would mean that we'd have a Pillsbury sponsorship. But the Pillsbury company <laughs> sells cookie dough. Uh, I bought some today at the at the grocery store. And uh, you can either bake it for 10 to 12 minutes and it will give you a you know pre-done chocolate chip cookie. Or you can just straight up eat it in its raw pre-packaged form because it has apparently done various things to the eggs and the flour that render them, I assume, salmonella free. And thus, you don't even have to worry about preheating the oven. That's glorious. What a marvelous modern age we live in. I mean, I, I could eat that, but I'd just drink instead because, you know, booze. <laughs> fair. fair. I still think you could do cookie dough and booze. I mean, I'm pretty sure you have a cookie dough beer from uh, uh, junkyard somewhere in your basement. What do I look like, a 23-year-old college girl who just got broken up with? I mean, maybe. Could be. I haven't seen you in a while. I don't know what the you know pandemic has done to you. We've got some actual sports content. I'm sure you're all shocked to know it's recruiting. Uh, most of it, at least. Uh, the recruiting train, the P.J. Flack pandemic tour continues. Uh, he's landed a four-star running back and a three-star defensive back. I believe they now have the number four class in the nation in the 24-7. I'm not sure if that's the composite or just the overall 24-7. Regardless, it's ridiculous and in no way will hold all the way through signing day in terms of numeric placement. Andy, uh, you want to break down what we're getting with uh, that running back and defensive back? Sure, we'll start with the uh, highest profile of the two. Uh, Marquise Irving, otherwise known as Bucky. Bucky is his nickname out of Country Club, Illinois, which sounds really nice, but it's really just a South Chicago suburb because, you know, they had to make it sound whiter, I guess, or something. I don't know. Um, anyways, Kid is a uh, stud running back, uh, 5'10", 175. We're looking at offers from, you know, pretty much anybody in the Midwest that's good, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Purdue, TCU, uh Illinois, oh, some school that really has really good running backs named Wisconsin. Um, so, yeah, he, he chose Minnesota. He's pretty good buddies with Sam Jackson, the quarterback slash receiver, uh, who the Gophers got a recommitment from a couple of weeks ago. But uh, the thing Irving's got for him, he, he's, a, he's a more of a compact back, but uh, he has got a great power. I think some people compared him to a, to a Shannon Brooks type in which he's, he's not necessarily the, uh, you know, the shifty, he's going to bury Sanders you, but he's going to run right through your ass. Um, you know, really good stiff arm finds his way through traffic. Uh, he's going to be that, you know, lead power back that can, can tear it up for you. Um, and you, you know, you, 
add him to a, a shiftier back and say Kai Thomas, who we got in last year's class, and uh, that's a that's a heck of a pair compliment that the Gophers might be able to roll out here in a year. So, um, good things coming down the pike with uh, with Marquis Irving. Um, and then the safety we have Darius Green. Darius Green's out of uh, Georgia. Um, I think we've done pretty good recruiting in the state of Georgia recently. Rashad Bateman, Rodney Smith, you know, things like that. Um, he had more Eastern, Southeastern offers, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Maryland, Virginia, Wake Forest. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's been all over the field for his high school team, playing in the box, playing man on the slot. Um, you know, he'll, he'll probably be a more of a, a run-supporting type safety for the Gophers. Um you know he's he's fast though ten six two in the hundred meters in Georgia that's uh, that's pretty damn good, so uh, he definitely has a good opportunity to come in and uh, fight for a spot in the Gopher secondary here in uh, in the fall of twenty twenty one. So is that five four stars now in this class? I believe. Does that, anyone remember? Yeah, I, I feel I, that's right. I'm pretty sure that's right. That yep, is correct. Yep, we're up to five, and, and the Gophers do have, uh, you know, a couple leads on a couple other guys. Um, one of the other safeties from the state of Illinois who Minnesota's interested in uh, ended up committing to Louisville, which is why I think we got this uh, Georgia safety in green instead. Um, but, yeah, the Gophers still have, have their uh, name in on a lot of pretty high-profile players, a couple of good uh, offensive linemen possibilities here, so... Uh, obviously the gopher class is filling up. I think we're up to 16 or something like that already. So, um, you know, PJ Flex doing uh, pretty good work with the virtual visits. And I think, uh, you know, he'd love to get some more kids on campus and we'll have to see what happens. I saw that the NCAA has, uh, at least extended the dead period through the end of June. Um, so best case scenario, you're getting kids on campus in July and August, um, but I mean, I think we won't be shocked at all if that gets extended yet again, but, um, when you're doing this while recruiting virtually in some ways, you almost would rather just keep it like this. Cause I think Minnesota definitely has a distinct advantage over a lot of other schools, uh, when it comes to recruiting in the current climate. Pandemic PJ Fleck, uh, quickly for basketball. Um, we apparently have no point guards, uh, currently, is that correct? Uh, street we have zero point guards on the roster officially at the moment there are zero pure point guards on the roster it is an open question as to whether jamal mashburn jr is a point guard what chris is alluding to is that bj greenley elected to transfer he was a freshman last year played incredibly sparingly uh, when he did play he did not necessarily impress which is not all that surprising i thought it was a little bit frustrating that during the non-conference especially he didn't see more minutes but perhaps he simply wasn't ready to play at the level Uh, and so he's elected to transfer because Marcus Carr has currently declared for the draft though if Marcus Carr remains in the draft I will be absolutely shocked and or it indicates there is no basketball for the foreseeable future so why not go pro and uh, that was it last year for the point guards so currently currently the team has zero coupled out with uh, Drew Peterson deciding uh, to not commit Minnesota currently has a couple of scholarships that are open. I don't even know what to think about that. I I have a hard time getting myself like too focused on basketball when I don't even know when they're going to play football. Oh, COVID. I hate you. 
I mean, the thing to think about is, you know, it, it seems really late in a normal year. It's like, okay, we're already looking at mid-May, and we still have two scholarships open, da-da-da. But I think the last I looked, because of the uncertainty or whatever, there's still something like 700 kids in the transfer portal, basketball-related. So, I mean, there are people out there now. I mean, you're not necessarily looking at stars at this point, but there are more and more that keep added. I mean, there was a couple other kids. There's a, a kid from Stony Brook I saw who originally committed to uh, to go into the draft, averaged 18 points a game for them last year, who now it sounds like he's backing out of the draft, but he's decided he's going to transfer instead. So, I mean, you're going to get a couple more of those kids, and I, it looks like Minnesota's already contacted them because, of course, why wouldn't you if you're Richard Pitino sending out that feeler immediately? Um, so I think there's still a chance the Gophers end up with a, at least a fairly decent player for one of those two scholarship spots. But, yeah, I think the uncertainty is just reigning over everything right now, and nobody knows if it's going to be everything as normal. Nobody knows when people are getting back on campus. I mean, how do you how do you transfer and commit to a school? I guess you do the virtual visit route the same way that the P.J. Fleck and the football team are doing, but uh, it, it's definitely uh, an interesting world out there right now. The other challenge, and it doesn't really apply as much right now because, as Chris mentioned, it's going to be a dead period for a rather extensive period of time, but as long as the pandemic shuts things down, in particular shuts travel down, that drastically reduces the AAU schedule and summer AAU ball. So a lot of the times where you begin scouting players, figuring out who you're actually going to bring in for visits, all of that no longer exists. It also, if you're a coach, and Richard Pacino certainly seems to be this kind of coach, where you'd like to see someone play before you offer a scholarship, that's going to be more difficult to do so for the foreseeable future. Um, On the business side of things, COVID-related, we have pay cuts, pay cuts in the athletic department. The Mark Coyle... And the, what, top five or six highest paid coaches are all taking 10% pay cuts for the next six months. So you're looking at Fleck, um, Patino, Lindsey Whalen, Motsko, and then who's the, who are the last two? Hugh McCutcheon. Oh, obviously. And is there another one besides Hugh who's taking a cut, or is it six total, including Coil? Uh, six total, including Coil. So, so yeah, that's a couple million. that's a couple million in savings over... Over the next six months, probably what, maybe two million. Uh, maybe it nine. would be. Uh, the, where's the list? Not here? Even I'm, that much. I'm reading. I'm reading Andy Greeter's article from the Pioneer Press. He actually lays it out here. I will ballpark this at less than two million because Fleck is making about four. Uh, Patino is making one five. So ten percent for six months is actually five percent of each of their salaries. It was my understanding that there would be no math. No, it's actually significantly less. According to Greeter, it's going to save you about $450,000. God, Um, I can't do math, and that's way less than I thought. Yeah. Apparently, and and this is where the numbers start not adding up. So so them basically taking a, whatever it was, a a 10% pay cut for six months gets them that. Apparently, they all each agreed in the 2020 fiscal year in August or in April to take a week unpaid. We we knew that at least for PJ and for Coil and whatever. And according to Greeter, the U supposedly is saying that saved them $168,000. So somehow not paying each of them for just a week got 168,000, but giving them each a 5% pay cut that's going to be 450,000. Well, it, I, it feels I don't... like those 
I don't think we probably want to get way too into this math. Another possible way of thinking about those numbers is when they choose to take the pay cut in terms of which fiscal year it actually goes on. So you might be saving money up front because uh, in the one week or whatever, and that number does seem awfully high unless it was every single coach took a week off, which would make more sense. But if you're sort of saying you're going to take something until the end of the fiscal year, and or and then you're going to move past it, you might get to a point where only some part of that is on the books for this year anyway. And so you're getting a cut that way. I would like to note here that our accountant is not on the call, but a classic point about accountancy for athletic departments at major Division I schools is money is weird and often obfuscatory on purpose. No, it is. I mean, I'll, I'll just—I just want to. I mean, we haven't—we haven't talked a ton about this, and we might as well talk about it for a few minutes before we get back into positively land, because you know it is new. Wait, it—it's what if week? In what world are we going to positivity land? Well, fair enough. That—that—that's fair. Um, but just—I mean—the fact that if anybody paid attention, Mark Coyle presented to the Board of Regents last week and basically is saying, you know, the U basically lost. Um, you know, lost four or five million in the rest of the 2020 fiscal year, which runs through obviously the end of June. Um, and he basically said they uh, they're estimating a double digit reduction in the operating budget through the end of June. So I mean, between coaches cutting salaries and obviously you're not paying for team travel and stuff like that, that's how you're you know basically trying to break that number even. But you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens in in the fall because. You know, the, basically, Coyle is estimating that, depending upon what happens, the U, just the athletic department, will lose anywhere between ten and seventy-five million dollars in in fiscal year twenty twenty-one. So it is it is a big deal. It is uh, you know, and we we say okay, we're joking four hundred fifty thousand dollars. That that is a drop in the bucket, but at least it's it's something that they can voluntarily do to try and figure out how they're going to have to cut back on other costs. Um, you know, something I'm sure we can talk about going on in further weeks is, is looking at how they're going to be adjusting schedules. Um, I think you're going to be seeing, especially the the spring sports teams that normally go on all these extravagant trips, are going to get their schedules curtailed hard coming up in, in spring of 2021, assuming they play. So, you know, instead of the softball team going to Arizona, Florida, and California for a month, uh, I think they're going to basically try and play as many games indoors as they can, and that also might mean they have to try and schedule a non-conference series at, at James H. Cowles, and they're playing outside in Minnesota in mid-March and hoping that there's not three feet of snow on the ground. So um, th- those are some of the teams I think that might get might get hurt by some of this, and like I said, we can go into that details later. But uh, it is going to be a big talker here as we go forward in the next few months to try and figure out exactly what everybody can try and do to uh, lower that bottom line going forward. Ten to seventy-five million—that's a hell of a range. I really do not envy Coyle and his staff having to come up with all the scenarios that lead to ten or to seventy-five. That doesn't sound fun. Well, I mean, the biggest number there is 75 is basically if sports don't happen, if you don't get the TV money. Because you still got to pay out all the scholarships even if you don't play. And you're still paying for, you know, arena upkeep and stuff like that even if you don't play. So the biggest thing is if you get that TV money, it's not going to be a crushing, crippling, you know, department-ending disaster. Uh, but, 
yeah, there are a lot, a lot more questions than answers at this point. All right, well, I've got a question for you. It's what if week on the SB Nation network. So basically, it's exactly what it sounds like. Pick something that's happened to your favorite team. What if that thing happened differently? And I would just pose to you, Street, what is your, if you could make one thing happen differently, what's your what if moment for any gopher sport in your, in your lifetime? Oh, well, there's so many, but I, I'll, I'll be very specific. Uh, October, what day? October 15th, 2005, the University of Minnesota played the University of Wisconsin Badgers at, at the time, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome. Uh, I was there. It was great for up until the very end of the game uh, when the Badgers block a punt. They block a punt, they score, they win the axe, the Hubert. There are many confusing things about this, but it is now, what, we're in 2020, so we're almost 15 years at this point, so this is almost half my life ago. And ever since that moment, I have thought the following, which is, Minnesota actually needed to get fourth and a half yard from its own 11. Even if they had successfully punted, they were punting to one of, if not the best punt returner in the Big Ten, and the punter for Minnesota, whose name escapes me at the time, I know, failing my responsibility as a contributing writer for a Big Ten blog, I don't remember the punter's name, but he wasn't great. It wasn't like we were going to get Brad Wing 67-some-yard boom or whatever. Wisconsin was going to have about a minute left, and all they needed to do was basically get about 15 yards, which they had more or less been able to do all game. And they were going to get a field goal, and they were going to make it. At the same time, Minnesota had Lawrence Maroney. It had multiple uh, All-Big Ten candidates. I believe it's got an All-American on that offensive line, and it's the best rushing offense in the country. And they decided to punt. And I think it was at this moment. Now, admittedly, I, because I grew up in the era of video games, Madden, and of course, NCAA football, firmly been on the line that you should never punt ever. Again, I apologize for being a contributing member of this blog and holding an opinion that punters are useless, but one should never punt. But in particular, even if I hadn't had all of that back, I think that is the game where I would have come to the conclusion that you never punt. Ever. Run the dang ball. If they run the dang ball, uh, they'll get a half yard. They get a half yard, they win the axe. Uh, a variety of things probably change. Among others, Glenn Mason probably sticks around for at least a year or two. It is highly unlikely that Tim Brewster ever shows up. And part of the reason he never shows up is that he wouldn't have been hired a couple of years later. They would have gotten something else. So that's probably the specific moment of moments that I would choose. Andy, how about you? What's your what's your what if? Well, I mean, there's a lot of I guess, I mean, Minnesota sports gives you lots of what if. I mean, to to piggyback on that one, one of the other ones, you know, if we're talking about butterfly flex, is what happens if if Minnesota doesn't blow that gigantic bowl game lead to Texas Tech? Glenn Mason doesn't get fired. Tim Brewster isn't the head coach. Um, you know. Does that butterfly effect all the way to the P.J. Fleck isn't the head coach of the Gophers? I think there's a definite possibility that could be. So maybe in some ways, if things continue on the right trajectory, this is this is a good thing. It just took, you know, 15 years to get there. Um, you know, for some of the older people on the podcast, um, 
you know, going back to the uh, to the '89 NCAA Frozen Four, what happens if Randy Scarda doesn't hit the damn pipe, but instead shoots it half an inch to the right, and the puck goes in the net, and the Gophers beat Harvard in overtime. Doug Wu gets his NCAA championship. The Gophers win the title in St. Paul before they win the title in St. Paul in 2002. Um, does that change the trajectory of the Gopher hockey program in the 1990s as the team that just couldn't get over the hump? Um, you know, I, other ones we've talked about, what happens if Eric Harris doesn't get hurt in the, I think it was the Clemson game. Um, you know, does Minnesota beat Kentucky? Does Minnesota then beat Arizona? Do we have a NCAA championship that gets vacated instead of a Frozen Four, or a Final Four? Um, you know, so there's, there's lots of good what-ifs for Minnesota. I mean, um, you know, sort of tongue-in-cheek, but looking at it, uh, that white speed receiver wrote for uh, Off Tackle Empire today, what happens if, uh, if Lou Holtz doesn't get fired or doesn't leave for Notre Dame? <laughs> and it ends up ending up as the Gophers getting a show cause penalty and getting SMU'd. So um, there, there's lots of interesting things that you could figure out for our program because God knows we've left a lot of what ifs over the years open for question. Oh, so many what ifs. I, I think my what if is always going to be 2003 Michigan just because. You know, even if the season play, beyond that game plays out exactly the same, the Gophers still go to the Rose Bowl. And so then, early in my lifetime, I've already attended a Rose Bowl. Hey, I was and they would have gotten, that game they, too. They would have they, they, they gotten smoked by USC. USC would have murder-balled them, but that's okay. I would have been at the Rose Bowl. Yeah, there's a strong level <sighs> of, again, bowl games don't really matter. You would have been at the Rose Bowl. It was at that game too. It's interesting because there are also a fair number of, the the what if thing is a little bit challenging in that with a lot of sports especially it doesn't it'll never come down to one play and like well what if they won a game sort of provides a lot of weird counterfactuals but it is to me sort of an open question why it was that Minnesota between the third and the fourth quarter basically decided to forget every reasonable defensive adjustment that it had on film and that would have been the Michigan 2003 game it's a screen pass. Yeah, and it wasn't even the a same good, screen it, pass. And it and it wasn't even a good like they were taking something away deep that was really important. I mean, you could absolutely give up deep passes. Like that would have been fine. Like, playing one on one would have been reasonable. Just double. I think it was Braylon Edwards' time. Just double whoever Michigan's number one is, and you'll be fine. <sighs> All right. See, this is not this is not positive I mean, town. But we can turn it around positive. What happens if Craig Sauer doesn't intercept Daryl Bevel in nineteen ninety three and Wisconsin beats Minnesota and is undefeated going to the Rose Bowl? Well, it's a weird that's that's a weird like in, in essence that's the protecting against evil. I mean, I suppose I don't want to imagine a world in which Wisconsin. Yeah, you're not helping that. me because now I have to imagine the worst of things. That's yeah, well, or if Trey Jones doesn't hit that shot, if we're going on the same, you know, wavelength, just because I'm screwing with you now, but that was Ty. That was Ty. That was Ty. Uh, the, the other Jones. That fun, was fun story. Right. Fun story from that night. Um, a long time ago, I lived in a different place than I live now. I know, surprising. And a lot of my friends went to a school that wears blue and white and a massive sense of entitlement. Though they're mostly good people. 
So uh, my very good friend had a party that night to watch the Duke-Wisconsin National Championship. And so I and 20-ish other people, 18 of whom went to a university in Durham, North Carolina, uh, and I were watching that particular game, and two things follow from this. Uh, the first one is that I unequivocally was the most ardent Duke fan there, uh, because <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think people, I think people honestly don't realize like the true wonder of sports is just the visceral hate that you can put at a thing of laundry, even if it makes no sense whatsoever. So, like, everyone else is, like, super excited, you know, Duke's going to win and all of this, and I am just jacked because Wisconsin has lost. So that, that's that's one. The, the second thing is, on the way there, I took a subway train, uh, and on the subway, I ran into, the person I'd never met before, I'd never met uh, after, but I was wearing a Minnesota sweatshirt because, you know, as you do, And uh, this person inquired if I was from Minnesota. I said I was. We have this nice five-minute conversation that ends, I think, with her uh, saying, all right, fuck Wisconsin, see you later, uh, and walking out of the metro because it was, you know, her stop or whatever, and we weren't getting off at the same spot. So I got into the party, and I was like, hey, I'm pretty confident Duke's going to win, not just because they're a better team or whatever, but because I just had that interaction and that's like way too serendipitous for this not to go well for me. Uh, and it probably went very well for me because because uh, Wisconsin did not win a national championship. And Bo Ryan proving uh, proving his sore loserness forever, sealing that on a television. That was lovely. My favorite part of that was that I was living in northern Kentucky, so Kentucky fans were very, very frustrated about who they were supposed to root for they can't cheer for wisconsin because wisconsin beat kentucky and duke is you know duke and kentucky is kentucky so the kentucky fans i knew were just in agony about what they were supposed to do um i tried very hard to swing them to cheer for duke but most of them have long memories and christian leitner is still a thing so you know it was fun to watch their heartbreak again frankly uh, yeah, no, it's it's never not. I suppose it would have been really challenging for most fans, most Kentucky fans to choose because, like, which one is the bandwagon team? And do you take Duke, the usual bandwagon team, or do you take Wisconsin, the fun new bandwagon team of the tournament? Both of those places, lots of jorts. <laughs> well... That, that does make it hard for a Kentucky fan because there's plenty of jorts in Kentucky, too. Comes, becomes difficult. I mean, on some level, you'd be like, well, that one team kind of looks like Kentucky and the other one kind of looks like Louisville, so I'll pick I'll pick the one that kind of looks like Kentucky. But... They do always say you can't spell Duke without UK. Wow, it, you know, honestly, that is very impressive. I would not expect the average University of Kentucky fan to know how to spell the word Kentucky. (laughs) I only hang out with the ones that have at least an eighth grade education. If you are one of my Kentucky friends listening to this, 
I want. I'm I want to be clear. I actually have nothing against uh, Kentucky. It's a great state. I do have many things against the University of Wisconsin and the like weird self righteousness of bandwagon fan programs to Kentucky is always very confusing to me. But I also very willingly cheer for a team that mostly loses at everything it does. So we all have our own traumas that we choose to control. <laughs> I have several things against the state of Kentucky, but I'll just keep my mouth shut because that may cost us if I open it here. So we'll just leave it at that. All right. So since we are still talking counterfactuals, I know the what if is generally a sports thing, but let's back up a second because we're also talking about Kentucky. Here is my counterfactual. What if more people had watched Justified? And so instead of having to listen to garbage takes about how things like The Sopranos was the best uh, prestige television show, we would all correctly know that the best prestige television show of the 2000s was in fact justified. That is abundantly true. I'm, I'm actually going to take your very, very good point and twist it even further while keeping the FX connection. What if people had actually watched Terriers and it made it more than one season? Alex, did you watch Terriers? I did. Uh, I did. Was Donald Logue also on the Black Donnellys? Because if so, he has been on a variety of television shows that never made it to what could have presumably been their satisfying conclusion. Yeah, Terriers would have been an amazing show if it could have run just three seasons. People would have been so happy. It would, it, it would never have gotten critical mass, and it would have been one of those things that people watched later. But I... I'm so sad Terriers didn't make it. Yeah, no, that Terriers was a was a really solid show. I think the the deep challenge, and this is I think kind of funny when you think about like the what ifs, because the what if the actual what if sports thing, and this is obviously separate from from Minnesota, but I think often to me the what if sports moments are things that are like very sad. So for for example, what if George Best had not drank himself uh, to irrelevance, like what would we think? We definitely wouldn't be talking about Pele in the same way. Uh, we would be talking about George Best. So like things like that are normally sad. The thing that is always kind of amazing to me from kind of the cultural landscape though, is which shows like we coalesce around, which is particularly weird because especially I think for sports, Justified is like a phenomenal show that more people A should have watched, much like Terriers, more people should have watched, but also like gives you so many better sports references than most of the other awful prestige shows. For example, Mad Men. <laughs> God, that show sucks. God. Oh, we should have a whole show where you just go off on which of the favorite prestige shows you dislike. Oh, look, another privileged dude behaving badly. Let's watch this for seven seasons. Get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> Oh, okay. On that oh, but note. the interior monologues. <laughs> I can't even get a segue in because you're still ranting. Nah, I'm. I'm. A, I. It's just it's like there's so many. There are so many weird things. It's the same thing. Like going back to 2005, sitting back in the stands. If you had told me, hey, don't worry, it's fine. In a little while on AMC. Someone is going to make a show you don't care about, and you're going to have to read takes about it for years later, but your favorite team is going to lose this football game. Are you cool with that? I'd have been like, no, I'm totally fine if Mad Men never exists on television, as long as the Gophers run the stupid ball here. I hurt you so much right now. All right, friends. As always, stay safe out there. 
Wash your hands. Go Gophers. Sky you ma. Row the boat. Thank you.